Welcome back to Highlights from the Cliff. My name is Whitney. And I'm Autumn. And today we have a couple of topics that we're just going to be covering of some things that have happened in the last mm, week, week and a half, maybe. That sounds accurate. Yeah. How are, how are you today, Autumn? It's been a long week, you know. Um, some of this news isn't too positive either, so it's not necessarily helping my mood right now. But, well, yeah. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty great. I threw some axes this morning and got out some of that, like, frustration frust- frustration, and anxiety and all of that. So I'm I'm doing pretty good. Looking That's for good. a spring break. <laughs> I know, right? Need some warm weather in my life right now. Oh, uh, yes. Please. Thank you. <laughs> so what are we going to open with? Uh, let's just start it off with the thing that shocked people the most this week. Bob Iger. Big Bobby's out. Yeah, he is. Little Bobby's in. <laughs> hey, so Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, all of it, stepped down really abruptly, which, I mean, he said he basically he basically used the justification, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a smart move because he's done a lot in his tenure as uh, the CEO of the company. He bought Pixar. He bought Lucasfilm. He bought Marvel. He opened new... Uh, parts of disney parks he what else am i forgetting oh he launched disney plus yeah how do you forget that Um, i was literally just about to be like disney plus (laughs) yeah and that's kind of like his the pinnacle for him it seems like if he's saying i'm gonna quit while i'm ahead then i guess he's saying that look what i did for you i built you a fortress and now i step down and i think that's graceful you know yeah i i just know that a lot of people were like wondering why he decided to step down when it was like he was doing so well and he did just uh like launch disney plus and everyone thought he would probably like ride that wave a little bit more but what it's been like three months or so since disney plus launched and now he's out it's it's a little suspicious i don't know why but um having bob chapik like takeover is definitely an interesting choice but he does know a lot of like about like data and he utilized that knowledge to really help um the parks become really successful so maybe that's their thought process behind um him becoming the ceo hopefully he'll be able to do the same and keep that trajectory in regards to streaming yeah, I think so, because Chapek really understands, like, Disney is a consumer experience. Every part of it is interactive. They want you to feel immersed no matter what you're doing. If you're going to the movie theater, if you're going to Orlando or Paris or Shanghai or any of the other Disney parks, they want you to be just totally involved um, <laughs> all the way, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that bodes really well Yeah, to the company as a whole because that is what streaming is really all about it's about pleasing the consumer first more than anybody else so yeah i did know that um like i read in the article about um like bob stepping down and bob stepping up (laughs) uh that um they were talking about the coronavirus at their um kind of like speech and during that little like town hall meeting and um they had mentioned how uh the shanghai and i think hong kong uh 
Disney parks had like shut down. So I'm really interested in knowing how that has like affected the bottom line thus far for Disney because the parks are kind of like the biggest uh, source of revenue. Yeah, uh, I'm really curious to know if they're going to really keep those parks closed because I just really don't see that as a sustainable solution to this. Mm -hmm. You know, I know they're really big on safety. Like, I think the only other time they closed a park in recent memory was like on 9-11. Yeah. Or um, actually during the, there was a hurricane a while back where they had that fiasco with- Was it in Florida? Yeah. Of course it was in Florida. The (laughs) fiasco with all those box lunches that was like a slice of bread with cheese on it or something. Oh. (laughs) Uh, so they don't really close parks if they can help it. You know, they're supposed to be like an un- inconquerable machine here. So mm-hmm. that's an interesting choice. Um, I think that might also be really strategic, though, to have Chapik move up and somebody else <laughs> go deal with the park situation. I don't know if that's strategic in the timing or if it's just like convenient, you know, because mm-hmm. um, now it kind of gives everybody the opportunity to look like super good in the face of crisis or just dealing with problems that arise. Um, I had another thought and then it left my brain. So give me a second. Happens to me all the time. I don't know what it was. Um, (laughs) It's gone. So (laughs) is that all we have to say on that? Or is there more there, do you think? I mean, I think I've said all that I have to say about Bob Iger. Um, Good luck with your future endeavors. And uh, I think he's still on the board. Mm -hmm. So he's doing things. He's still making money. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's what it's all about. (laughs) Um, So there was another piece of Disney news that came out this week, and it's about Star Wars. So we were just getting a lot of Star Wars news in the past couple weeks here, you know. This one is about a series of books and comics coming out called The High Republic, which is super fascinating to me because we haven't seen anything on this scale since what I would say is like the... Or mid to late decade, uh, 20, 20 zeros, the, the aughts. <laughs> the 2000s. The aughts, the 2000s, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm having a bad moment right now where my brain's just like not working. So the, the mid 2000s with um, the ex- expanded universe now called Legends, um, New Jedi Order books, which was like an initiative where they had about six or seven maybe even upwards of 10 authors kind of all working together on a series of books that was about 25 novels long so that but that took place with the skywalker family post return of the jedi so that was about 30 years after the saga ended the movies anyway so it's really interesting to see them going back to this format of having authors collaborate on one series of books because to me that was when the most creativity sprung from the series you know it's like letting the people who have a track record of writing star wars novels just sit down together and nerd out and make a new chronology together and i'm so excited to see where this leads so yeah i mean I didn't know a whole lot about this before you had mentioned it, and I do really enjoy Star Wars, so I'm looking forward to whatever it is that ends up coming from it. Yeah, I think that this could even branch out into TV and movies down mm-hmm. the line, you know, if this is successful. And I think I think the way they've marketed the books in the past couple of years has been a really good tie-in to kind of have people explore the new characters even more from the movies. And people... People love the Old Republic era, okay? Like, people eat that that stuff up. So it's kind of like, basically, 
fantasy and sci-fi combined right so mm -hmm. it's like anything is possible because it's a whole galaxy wide open so this is and this still has the possibility of showing a couple familiar characters along the way you know because it takes place 200 years before the phantom menace mm -hmm. and we know that yoda's alive for sure he's in oh, his yeah. like he's on only 700 at this point so mm -hmm. You never know what can happen in the future. We could maybe possibly have Baby Yoda on one platform and Old Man Yoda appear on another one. So I'm excited. Yeah, that would be uh, super exciting. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Thanks for letting me nerd out about Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> My first fandom love. <laughs> um, yeah, so the next thing that we can talk about is some music news. Um, so the music business worldwide actually reported, I think it was earlier this week that the three main, um, record labels. So Warner, uh, Sony and universal music group, they, uh, officially generated, um, who forgetting the aggregate number off the top of my head, but it ended up, uh, turning out to be about a million dollars per hour uh, last year in 2019, which we had said on a previous podcast how we think that uh, the music industry is starting to come back after the era of piracy. And with this number as kind of just like something that's, I, I don't want to say tangible because I don't think everyday individuals know what a million dollars like right is like but it is definitely more in a reasonable like mind frame that everyone can visualize and be like holy crap that's a lot of money yeah <laughs> like i'm just imagining the heads of these companies like legitimately in a swimming pool with like filled with one dollar bills right now <laughs> and it just keeps there's like a dump truck that just empties it every hour <laughs> they refill it and it's like this is just insane to me that's that's wild yeah it is and i like and when you think about it like the amount of money that an artist makes from just one stream of a song all of that being like aggregated together from all the listens from for like all the artists on a label to end up making a million dollars per hour like that's insane like oh my goodness also i just like just thought about spotify i got a notification the other day when i was listening and it was like congratulations you're in the first like top one percent of listeners for khalid and I was like, wow, I just listened to his music that much. Yeah, well, I didn't even know that they would tell you, like, give you notifications like that. That's kind of yeah. wild. They're like, you're the number one fan right yeah. there. And they want you to know that. That's really interesting. Yeah, I just, so is this, I don't know if you know details to this degree, but I'm wondering, is that money in, like, how much total they're pulling in or after they've paid, like, artists and stuff? I think that is just like revenue that they've had. Okay. I don't know if that's like net what they're bringing home after they had to pay artists and all of that, but it would be really interesting to know what uh, those numbers are and especially like the breakdown of, oh, well, what's like Billie Eilish making because she streamed a lot of like her music was streamed a lot in 2019 versus like what's Taylor Swift making versus mm. like Harry Styles or I don't know, like 
Lil Yachty. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, just like really, <laughs> I want to know across like different genres and different levels of fame and mm-hmm. all that. I don't know. There's but so much there, right? There is. There's so many layers to it. And I just, I really want to know, but it's like, that's just not information that's available to the public per, per se. But we mm-hmm. could definitely look up everyone's uh, net, uh, net worth. <laughs> uh, yeah, and kind of figure it out, do some like backwards engineering here, reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, I mean, I think this number's probably increased since they have all that data from 2019. If it, just looking at 2020, I feel like it's probably only increasing for now. Yeah, I mean, I think those numbers were pulled towards the end of 2019 and we're only about... I'm going to say we're three months into 2020 because it's a leap year. So (laughs) yeah, we're basically a quarter in. So I wonder if I'm like interested to look at the quarterly reports and see how these companies are doing because that's like pretty phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And especially since uh, Warner released their IPO, they're definitely going to be putting out maybe like some quarterly financial statements soon. And this is the only time, Kathy, I'm ever going to nerd out about financial statements. Never again putting that out there. Kathy is our financial statements professor. Thank you. You've given me knowledge. (laughs) But yeah, so I am very much uh, eager to look at that and see um, kind of just like the breakdown of the things that they're reporting on their statements, like their balance sheet and income statement and all of that. Um, And also whether or not they started paying dividends or not. Okay, I need to stop getting like (laughs) this into things. So I have another question. Do you think... (laughs) This is going to peak at some point. Do you think it's still going up? Do you think we're approaching a plateau? Kind of where do you think this number in, you know, millions of dollars per hour streaming is like going to come to an end? Um, I don't know, to be honest. It really depends on the platforms that they are getting these numbers from and whether or not they're like including like streaming on YouTube and the money that they get from ads with that. Um, I don't know, honestly, like it could very well plateau at some point, but there's just so many people in the world and just so much music. I don't know if it would ever like stop growing because there's just going to be so much now when it comes to consumers attention i think uh music streaming services are going to have a difficult time like competing with like the netflixes of the world and all of that Mm -hmm. but like people like listening to music for a variety of reasons and so if you're like going to the gym you're going to turn on music or if you're going on a drive that sort of thing but i don't know I don't know where it would peak and I can't really determine if it will peak. And if it did, it might have to do with some sort of like legality thing that, and then people might get upset and then they'll be like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, So if things were to stay the way that they currently are, I think it could continue to increase unless something happened that would alter that. I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> yeah, we just don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's weird to think about what could happen in a couple of years or longer. We just don't really know how technology is evolving at this stage. 
because everybody wants to have a consumer focused experience, but at a certain point you don't have enough ear space eyes to watch, Mm -hmm. you know? So we'll just see what happens with that one. I think music is definitely becoming, there's a resurgence of like the importance of music to people, especially with these streaming services, because like, you know, they're showing you that you're in the top 1%. They're making you feel really involved Mm -hmm. by the use of their apps and social media. So, but also like, uh, if you think about some of the artists and the things that they have to say and the what they're putting out in the world, a lot of it is resonating with people on a different level than it has over the past decade. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a whole generation of people who are coming up now who want to feel connected to their artists and not just listen to songs because it has a good beat, but because there's a good message behind it as well. And I think that's also going to play um a factor into um music and how well it ends up being streamed moving forward so do you think like if artists are given more control it would be better for streaming in the long run i think it's always good for creative control um to remain at most with the artist now i do think commercial viability is also very important um and that's just like oh is this a good song that should be played on the radio. No one wants to listen to a song that sounds like crap. Um, But I think ultimately when it comes down to like songwriting and storytelling, that should either remain with the artist or songwriters who write songs for artists. I don't think um, record labels should be uh, that like hands-on being like, oh, here's this song that really doesn't say or mean anything take it, sing it, it's going to sell. If an artist can put out a quality song that will sell, that's where that money should lie, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, do we want to move on to a little more depressing of a topic or let's talk about Netflix? (laughs) I think we're on the streaming moment, so let's go to Netflix next. So Netflix has started releasing more data to producers compared to how closely they were holding their cards to the chest previously. So, Which is shocking. (laughs) Yeah, and they're also um, kind of redesigning the interface of, you know, categories of um, movies and TV shows that they uh, advertise to people on their homepage. So that, to me, is a good place to start. So they've been promoting top 10 tv shows and movies of the day of the week and kind of giving people an opportunity to see um you know behind the curtain a little bit here so uh they i haven't really turned on netflix since this happened i'm gonna be honest with you i've not had time to watch tv so have you seen the new interface at all i have turned on netflix um i don't recall if i've seen anything new um but majority of the time, whenever I turn on Netflix, it's my roommate who turns it on and then I come in. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're catching it like 20 minutes in or something. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I, she like turns on the show that we're going to watch. And then so I like completely miss the load up of oh. everything. And she ends up just going there and then she just presses play. <laughs> I love the person who will do all the work for me. Good job. Good job. Yeah. We're a real friend. Right. So... I wonder if this is just going to reinforce the top 10 each day, right? Because if you're, if you're updating this daily, 
Mm-hmm. And if you're advertising to people, these are the top 10 things that are being watched. Are more people just going to go watch those? And then will it just become a repeated same top 10 like every day? Because that seems like it's going to get boring and kind of beyond the point of what they are hoping with this feature. Yeah, that that's also a really good point that I didn't think of before because um, it could end up like feeding back into itself and it would just be like, oh, top 10 of the day, but it's been the same top 10 for like the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they're going to do something like... Um, what like youtube's like trending page where it just like um refreshes like i think every 24 hours with like new content that's there Mm -hmm. um because that would be really interesting like what's the most popular titles within the last 24 hours and kind of like update those uh specs every day but that could still end up being like the exact same scenario as we just discussed yeah but i think we we know for sure that YouTube has a strong algorithm mm-hmm. to promote strangely similar and dissimilar things to what you're watching. So you end up ha- like that's how we end up three hours later on YouTube watching a video that has literally nothing to do with what we came there for. It's like mm-hmm. going into a Costco scenario. Oh, I love um, Costco. Like, oh, I need some cheese, and then you walk out and you only have like socks and a oh, 40 inch TV. chicken <laughs> yeah and you're like how did this happen uh it's kind of like the same thing on youtube where it's netflix uh i think i'm not sure with their algorithm if we're gonna see the youtube scenario or what we just described where it's reinforcing itself i think maybe this might be another opportunity for them to grow that algorithm and kind of penetrate a little deeper with finding out what people really want because i think maybe if this list shows no turnover in, you know, more than a week's time, then maybe there's something they can do on the back end that will instigate change Mm -hmm. through the use of algorithms. And then if it does change rapidly every day, every couple days, maybe that means they're doing a really phenomenal job. And I think that might, this could be a way to measure how much of a threat they are to other streaming companies with this feature. Yeah, because I know... When you like finish a series or you finish a movie, they always have that recommendation at the end where it's sometimes a hit or miss. Um, But then like when you're just scrolling through titles, it'll tell you how much of a match it is Mm -hmm. towards like things that you've watched in the past. And I've noticed that that tends to be pretty accurate. So um, who knows if their algorithms more like the 85% match thing or if it's like hey you just finished this series watch this random show that may or may not actually intrigue you <laughs> yeah I think we're really good at experimenting mm-hmm. because they're they just start throwing cash everywhere and they're just looking to see where it sticks basically all the time what was it like 13 billion dollars that they invested in like original content <laughs> yeah in like a year's time or something wild yeah mm-hmm. but I think the time is closing. the The time gap is closing here because somebody's gonna have to. Somebody will figure out a way to to match them mm-hmm. head on. You know, it's just inevitable with the way that technology works in this day and age. You don't really have long term advantages over people anymore. That's a thing of the past. So, yeah. And honestly, if we legitimately think about it, I think Netflix could. And does have at least the competitive advantage when it comes to this recommendation thing aside from YouTube because like 
let's just be frank, not that many people are going to sign up for Peacock. There's not a whole lot of titles that are that's on uh, Apple Plus TV for people to like legitimately watch and be recommended other things. Because once you watch those like 40 titles, like that's all there is mm-hmm. on there. Um, but there is Prime Video. So it's like if Netflix doesn't do this well, Amazon Prime is going to see that they're trying to do it and they're going to try to do it better. Yeah, because I mean, Amazon already has like a top of the like top new releases, top classics. You know, I see that mm-hmm. kind of advertising to me when I on the rare occasion that I open Amazon video. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I think this could be a signal of like more change, more like not bowing to pressure, but definitely an open response to pressure. Whereas before we haven't really seen them scrambling for anything before. So that's kind of interesting. And I do wonder with them releasing, we don't know how much data they're releasing to producers. I don't even think producers know how much more they're going to be getting than they ever were previously, which may have been zero if I'm being frank. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if that was a response to pressure from producers and showrunners or if that was kind of an independent decision because that has implications either way you know yeah yeah but only way to find out give it time and we'll see where it goes yeah we'll see if like netflix just keeps producing the same type of content or if it's gonna go wacky and eccentric as it has been (laughs) over the past couple years so we'll see yeah and i also really wonder where that like how that 13 billion dollars is going to be like uh divvied up like is it going to be a lot of investment in like the international market and generating a lot of original content for like overseas is it going to be a lot for the like north american market like how is it all going to be split up um which i'm interested in finding out and spending most of my summer watching netflix yeah we're catching up (laughs) for lost time here with school yeah (laughs) all right so you know we're i'm sorry but we're only left with slightly depressing topics so let's go let's leave let's go with harvey let's just do him first yeah so (laughs) old man harvey weinstein which i just read a read a an opening to an article that said that labeled him disgraced movie mogul and i just love that i yes. love that title that's all we're going to call him from now on disgraced movie mogul harvey weinstein went to the hospital like immediately after he got sentenced shocker yeah it's like a roger ailes moment you know or like the shots of him like walk like with the walker going into like the courtroom and i'm like i don't feel sorry for you at all mm-hmm. um so he was being tried on five different charges and he was found guilty for two of them in a New York court. So we still have to deal with all of the allegations in Los Angeles courts, which should be coming up in the past, I mean, in a couple of months coming up. But for now, he's definitely convicted of two um, different charges. So the first charge is first degree criminal sexual act, guilty. Third degree rape, guilty. Predatory sexual assault, not guilty. Another charge of predatory sexual sexual assault, not guilty. And first degree rape, not guilty. So um, I think the predatory sexual assault carried a life sentence. So that is off the table for him in New York City. Mm-hmm. 
And I, to be honest with you, I don't know what the charges are in Los Angeles. So, um, how are we, how are we feeling about disgraced movie moguls health as well as the sentencing? I could not give three flying fladoodles about Harvey Weinstein. He is scum of the earth. I do not like that man. And the things that he has done to women is absolutely disgraceful. And he deserves everything that is coming to, like, to him. Like There is absolutely no reason as to why he should feel shocked that he's being held accountable for his actions. If you're going to do bad things, there will be bad results. And there are so many people in this world who are just degrading women all the time and think that they can get away with it. And it's like, no, you can't. We're human beings. We have feelings and we will come after you with the law in order to get to regain our power because you took it from us. Um, so the fact that Harvey ended up going to the hospital, I couldn't care. Like you have high blood pressure. So do a lot of people in America don't care. So that's just how that is. And I can't wait to see the charges that are awaiting him in Los Angeles and seeing how that ends up uh, playing out because he, I'm glad that he was found convicted on at least two of the charges, but to be honest, he should have been found guilty on all of them in my opinion. Yeah, so apparently his sentencing occurs March 11th. So um, we'll see how many years in prison he gets. I think he could face 25 years in prison at the current moment. And, he, and he's so old, he could just end up dying in there at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think the concern is that he may die before he even gets to prison, which would just be, oh God, that would just be really, really gut-wrenching to see that happen of like justice not quite delivered all the way. So Yeah, that's what I was about to like hit on like, I don't like predators being out here in the world, but it's like those women who haven't had their day in court yet deserve to have their day in court. So hopefully, which is a weird way of putting this, hopefully he doesn't die before then. But if he ends up uh, perishing while he's in uh, prison, then that's just how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. And I think... Um the concern is also that just kidding my brain gave up again um <laughs> do you need coffee <laughs> no i'm just like my brain can't focus today um oh i was gonna say you know how much is he gonna suffer in prison he's you know a white man and a multimillionaire, so i don't really think that he's gonna suffer too much in prison but it's still like getting your just desserts to mm -hmm. watch him be taken away into prison. So, um, yeah, this one, at least we know for a fact he's off the streets. So there's that. Yeah. Um, interesting, interesting stuff. So maybe moving on to a bit more of a, a positive outcome, even if, you know, the circumstances are unfortunate. Do we want to talk about the Kobe celebration of life? Yeah. So, I'm still a little tender that uh, Kobe Bryant passed away. In fact, I'm wearing my Kobe Bryant shirt today. Mm -hmm. um, and, but like they held a um, memorial for him and his daughter, Gianna. I believe it was on Monday. Um, it was definitely in the last week. 
and it was I didn't get a chance to watch it but I did read a lot about it and according to the things that I read there was a lot of like a lot of his friends who were like musicians ended up performing and a lot of his uh close like friends and family ended up speaking and Gianna showed or not Gianna (laughs) Vanessa ended up showing so much like strength when she ended up talking about her daughter Gianna and Kobe and saying how um like God knew that they couldn't like leave this earth without each other and all of that um and there was a lot of like outpouring support for her and her ability to not like just crumble underneath all of this um grief and so I personally hope that she's doing okay, but I know she has a really good support system with all of uh, her friends and family there uh, with her. Um, but I do know that Michael Jordan, he he did end up saying something funny during it. He said uh, something along the lines of, I really hope I'm not going to have to deal with another crying uh, like meme. Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> the whole stadium erupted in laughter at that. So. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm glad that uh I, I really do enjoy it when people can bring um like some sort of like comic relief to something that's so heavy. So um I really did enjoy that he was able to bring in that sort of comment. But um yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? I feel like I just like monopolized the conversation with it. <laughs> no, that's fine. So I watched Michael Jordan's speech and I did not have the emotional capacity to watch Vanessa speak. Um, I did have like a Facebook video recommend me her her eulogy, but I was like, I can't do this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely loved Michael Jordan's speech. Uh, he's a really good orator and he just like really was able to like unite that whole stadium in like one feeling, you know, and that was like really incredible to hear him talk about I think you hear people talk about their heroes a lot, but you don't hear it the other way around. Mm -hmm. So that was a really interesting perspective that he brought about talking about how protective he felt of Kobe, you know, and how he really embraced his role as an older brother in that scenario and how it, it just shows you that passion is like the great uniter you know, it can unite generations of people with Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. It can unite fans around them. You know, just like all the people in that stadium being able to all say goodbye to this legend together. Um, and I think the fact that Michael Jordan was willing to cry in front of the whole world again. again. <laughs> you know, like to see a really powerful black man like be able to emote like that and not be ashamed. And to help other people feel that it was okay to express their emotions. You know, I noticed a lot of the sports celebrities had sunglasses on Mm -hmm. inside. And I was like, this is really interesting that they don't really feel safe enough to be able to show their emotions when this must be hurting them more than anybody else, you Mm -hmm. know? So I really am grateful that Michael Jordan wrote such a beautiful speech and delivered it in such a way that is just really, really, truly celebrating Kobe Bryant. And helping people come through this pain together. So that was a great speech. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out. But I, like, ever since I heard about 
uh, the accident, I just, of course, I just constantly think about Kobe's family, but then I also think about LeBron James and how absolutely close the two of them were and how that must just be like constantly affecting him. And they were literally like brothers. So it's like, I don't know. My brother came into town today. So it's like even the thought of just like randomly losing Mm -hmm. someone that close to you, especially uh, when you're not like blood relatives, but you were brought together because of something that the two of you are so passionate about. And you just, you feel things on a different level with that other individual. And then the next thing you know, they're just gone. Like absolutely heartbreaking. Um, So I'm, I'm really glad that um, Vanessa and Kobe's family decided to have this celebration of life to engage not only the people that Kobe was most close with and in the place where he just played basketball all the time, but also in a way that could involve fans being Mm -hmm. able to grieve with them because it wasn't just the people that was in the Staples Center. It was all the fans across like Southern California and worldwide who were able to watch this and kind of just participate in what was going on. So I really do like want to thank uh, the family of Kobe Bryant and all of his friends for doing that for everyone. And Kobe's just he's going to be forever missed like. He was an iconic person in the basketball community and so many people looked up to him. And so I'm personally really grateful for everything that he has done for everyone. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we really just ran through all of those topics today, didn't we? Yeah, (laughs) just too excited to talk about them. But yeah, that's all we've got for this week. But keep an eye out on the news. If something wild happens, we'll be sure to talk about it next time. So, yeah. Sorry to end it on such a low note, but you know what? We'll be next. We'll be here next week. Nope, that's a lie because we will be on spring break. And then the week after that, we'll be back. No, we'll be back in about three weeks. We're going to be talking about South by Southwest. Because yes, we will. Autumn is going to the film portion. And Whitney is going to the music and gaming portion along with Michael. So there's going to be tons of exciting developments coming out of there, I'm sure. Yes. And give you the inside scoop. Oh, yeah. You'll you'll absolutely love it. We'll be back with a bunch of goodies and knowledge. And I'm excited. We'll make some memories. So we'll talk about that soon. And we will see you all then. Or not. You'll hear us then, I should say. Yeah, so thanks for listening to Highlights from the Cliff. We'll be hanging. See ya.